Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Use your doctor skills. Make it stop. Life 107.1. We were having such a nice time. We were sitting on the couch and we were catching up and chatting and chatting and chatting. My friend Amy came over and we hadn't seen each other in a while. And and I had promised her turkey chili. I Homemade turkey chili. Yeah. And she brought some things to go along with it. And we sat there and we were chatting and chatting and chatting. And all of a sudden I went, hmm. And then all of a sudden I went, oh! Oh, and I no. Go, I get up really quick and I walk into the kitchen. Well, when she had come to the door, I had forgotten to take the chili off the high burner. Oh, boy. Okay. And uh, which it should have been sitting off to the side, just mm-hmm. kind of marinating, yep. you know, a little bit. But no, instead it was in the high burner. Now, here's the thing. I didn't have anything else to serve her. So I opened it up and I checked to see just how bad the burn was. Uh huh. The burn was like the last fourth on the oh. bottom. So, like, a fourth of the chili was burned to the bottom of my oh, pan. Oh, boy. But the top part was fine. So, we didn't scoop too deep. You just scraped. <laughs> Don't go on any excavations, Indiana I Jones. Know. It was kind of like, just take hey, from the top. how about if I serve this for you? <laughs> Oh, it was so good to hear from our wonderful friend, Susan, about her kitchen mishap. Seriously, guys, I'm not good in the kitchen. I don't know how I survived. Oh, it's terrible. When I first was living on my own after my divorce, I was so excited to make ice cubes. So I kept, uh, I filled the cube trays and I put them in the freezer and I kept checking and they weren't getting done. And I was getting so alarmed. So I called my daughter, who happens to be the kind of chef that's been on the Food Network. You know, I don't know how she's my daughter. And I kept looking and I called her and I said, Honey, the ice isn't getting done. And she said, Mama, quit checking it. <laughs> and she was right. I quit peeking and I got ice cubes made, guys. I was so excited. You would think chili would be a little more straightforward. Well, it wasn't. The, the chili was brilliantly done the person operating the chili left it on the stove while she went and gabbed with her friend and it burnt and that's what i'm saying you had your kitchen disaster with chili it burned i had a kitchen disaster with chili you did i was getting all of the chili ready to go i had all the ingredients i was getting everything chopped up i was feeling good about myself and jen do you know what it feels like when you think you washed your hands after chopping jalapenos and then you rub your eyeballs? Taylor, no. I've done that one time. I have. Oh, my goodness. I, I was like. At what first, did you do? Well, at first I was like, OK, this I'll get over it. And oh, no, I no. Kept on, I kept on not getting over it yeah. and not getting over and it. And it gets worse. And I like it got to a point I could not open my eyes. No, no. You have like this. I mean, like your eyebrows are stuck up inside your hairline, oh, but you goodness. can't open your eyes because it burns so, so I like much. stumble around the house looking for my <laughs> wife, who is a doctor. And I'm like, Lizzie, <laughs> use your doctor skills. Make it stop. What did she have you do? Uh, well, she Googled, what does my husband do? <laughs> I love 
She hadn't uh, apparently hadn't had to help anybody with serious jalapeno eyeball injuries. And uh, apparently, what you're supposed to do, and I can vouch that this works, is you soak a couple of cotton balls in milk, and then you put those on top of your eyelids, and you kind of open your eyes as much as you can to let the milk go over your eyes, and it cancels out the acid. Ew. There was a lot of milk on my face, Jen. <laughs> my- I had I had to refill several Ew. cotton Ew. balls. Ew. Just pack them in there. I don't know. I mean, I was I, walking I, I around suppose with that that- my hands out and I had cotton balls <laughs> shoved in my eyeballs and milk running down my cheeks. Okay, I really didn't need to see that image in my head this morning, but I remember how badly that burns and so I guess I would be willing. It was so that is odd. It was really painful. But yeah, the milk was very soothing. <laughs> and it was only skim milk, so I wonder if whole milk would have been better. <laughs> Good morning, Ricky. Do you have a kitchen mishap story? I was in college, and I got home from work, sat down on the couch with my roommate. He was playing games, sat there for a few minutes, and uh, started smelling something burning. I was like, are you cooking something? He runs to the stove and pulls out these biscuits that he put in the oven two hours. <laughs> prior oh to me getting home. And, yeah, they look like hockey pucks. Yeah. So we took joy in the moment, got a couple of boards, played hockey in the kitchen with these uh, <laughs> burnt biscuits for about 20 minutes, cleaned up our mess, and decided, you know what, maybe I should cook from now on. <laughs> Dr. Heidi, I had a friend that once told me um, when they were going through a really difficult time in their life, they needed to make sure that they spread out their conversations about it to more than just one friend <laughs> because they didn't want to inundate that one person with all of their struggles. It needed to be spread out. It kind of made me laugh, but I kind of thought that's kind of how we have to deal with our struggles, too. We can't let it inundate everything in our lives. We can't. And it's so easy to do where you have that thing that's sitting in the back of your head and you're stressed about you're thinking about while you're making dinner, while you're driving, then it leaks out. It leaks out on your family. It leaks out on your friends. It leaks out on people at work. And we have to find a way to manage that struggle and keep it from really being any bigger than it needs to be. And one way that we do that is by honoring that struggle and making space to deal with it. So if it's just getting a corner of our mind, if it's just getting the corner while we make dinner, we're not usually very productive. But if you can carve space out, if you can sit in your bedroom or find your cozy chair and write and do some journaling about it or do some thinking about it or do some praying about it, then you're directing your attention onto the problem, onto the situation saying, okay, this is important enough that it needs its own time. I need to slow down and create space for it so then I can think through it and bring Christ into it. I suppose we could call that intentional processing, but... It also sounds like intentional suffering, like we are going to go sit inside of suffering and allow it a certain amount of space and time. And that doesn't sound very Western to me. We run away from suffering. We do anything we can not to think about it. Yeah. We what's can. the difference between that and a pity party? Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Well, well, we shame ourselves. We, we call it a pity party. But the truth is hard things feel hard. Mm. And as Christians, we are the people who are most equipped to sit in suffering and sorrow, even though we are often the people who run away from it the most. Can I just point to King David in the yes. Psalms? Yeah. I mean, is that a giant pity party? There because I tell you what, he there. took an awful lot of time to sit in his suffering and write about it. He did. But what did he do at the end of it? He always came back to who God is. Mm. Right. And that's why I love Lamentations 3 so much. The first half of the chapter, the first 19 verses or so, 
the writer is talking about how God has turned his face from him, how his bones feel like dust. And there are moments when we can relate. We yeah. feel like our bones are dust and we have no idea what God is doing. But then there's that transition verse where he says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And he's intentionally shifting his focus onto the promises of who God is because he knows that's where his hope comes from. That verse doesn't say, and then my situation changed. It says, and then I shifted my focus onto who God is. And then he goes and talks about how the mercies of God are new every morning. Um, and that is a truth that lets us sit in our sorrows well, because Christ is with us. His mercies are new every morning. Our situation might not change. It will not change as quickly as we want it to. It might be weeks. It might be years. But because of who Christ is and him living in us, we can sit in that well. We can suffer in it well, knowing that our sorrow is not wasted that is creating for us that eternal weight of glory that helps us endure the sorrows, the sight of heaven. Did you ever get a piece of advice that just stuck with you because it was so good? Oh, yeah. When I was pregnant with Piper and uh, I had a little baby shower, a lady said to me during the advice giving section game. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, basically, though, if you walk around as a pregnant woman, you just invite. You'll get it. Invi- advice, yeah. right? But anyway, she said to me, she said, children need and love boundaries. Okay. She said, give them boundaries. And, you know, all of us were like, oh, that's really good. Yeah, we like that. Uh huh. You know, that's why kids liked like pack and plays and things mm-hmm. like that. She said, but expect them to test the boundaries. Yep. Be prepared, Mom. Going to find the exact shape of that boundary and scoot right up against it. I thought about that so many times raising kids, you know. (laughs) And then I saw my friend is a grandma now. And she posted a picture of her grandson on Facebook. And I just howled with laughter because it is a perfect example of this truth. Yeah. Children love boundaries, but they will always test them. His mama gave him a little bowl of strawberries. And she told him... No strawberries on the couch. Oh, that's that's a good rule. You might, you know, drip some juices, might get it stained. This little guy wanted to be on the couch. Mm-hmm. So he waddles over to the couch, climbs up on the couch, lays his belly down on the couch with his head and arms dangling off the couch, places the strawberries on the floor oh. alongside his book. So his body <laughs> is laying on the couch. His arms are down. He's eating the strawberries off the floor, reading his book. There were no strawberries on the couch. He was technically (laughs) obeying. Well, it's creative. Yeah, you know, he's not disobeying. I know, that's the thing. (laughs) He's technically obeying. Hey, Eddie, do you have a story of creative obedience? We were home one afternoon, and I have three boys, and my middle son wanted a treat. And I said, you can't have a treat, but you can have a snack. And in our house, the difference is, like, treats are sugary and snacks. You know, obviously or not. Right. Yeah. He's like, well, can I have, you know, it was like a piece of candy. And I'm like, no, buddy, you can have a sack or you can have a piece of fruit. And so he's sitting there in the pantry and he's kind of looking around and I'm go back to whatever it is I'm doing. And uh, I look over and he has a fruit snack. (laughs) And I'm like, buddy, that that doesn't count. Fruit and a snack. (laughs) It says it. I'm like, how do I argue with that? Fine. You win. Go ahead. Fine, you win. I don't know how many times I said that, that as a parent. Is that the title of Fine. your parenting book? Yep. I'm sure you've seen it happen. Or maybe you were the one who did it. <laughs> a little bit of creative obedience. Frankly, I'm, I can't even tell you how shocked I am at this. 
What? Because you're about to tell a story about creative obedience. I thought you were a total rule follower. I am, Jen, and I still <laughs> followed the rules. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on my grandma's lap and she's doing some work on the computer. And I am, I'm just fascinated. I think the computer's amazing. How old are you at this point? I was, you know, three or four years yeah, old. Okay. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Grandma, I, I think I can help you with this. <laughs> this, this long bar right in the middle here, this looks like it should be pressed about 47 times. <laughs> you know, so I'm reaching up there, I'm banging away on the keyboard and she's pulling my hands away. And finally she goes, Taylor. If you put your fingers on this keyboard one more time, you're going to go to timeout. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I sit there. I'm thinking, I, mean, I don't want to go to timeout, but boy, that bar needs to be pushed again. And so I lean over and I lick it. The whole keyboard. Fingers were nowhere near it. You licked it. Do you know you how much dust lick. gets built up on a keyboard? <laughs> Wasn't there anymore. No wonder you have a great immune system. You're welcome, Grandma. <laughs> so my friend started this whole discussion by posting a picture of her grandson mm-hmm. creatively obeying his mama's rule to have no <laughs> strawberries on the couch. But Donna, you say that his mama, your daughter, did some creative obeying too? When she was in, I think it was like first or second grade, Got very mad at me one day. I'm sure it was one of my amazing parenting techniques that she was mad about. Oh, yeah. And she packed a suitcase and she was leaving. So she put her sandwich and her clothes and stuff in her suitcase and she walked out the front door and she rolled her little suitcase down the street. And then I saw her sitting on the curb crying. So I thought, oh, she misses me already. I'm going to go talk to her. And I'm like, Babe, what's wrong? Like, are you sad because you missed mommy? And she's crying. And she goes, no, I can't cross the street without an adult. (laughs) So it might have seemed a little bit out of place. But last night I stood at the door of my small group as we kind of dispersed and let go. And I said, all right, Sunday's Valentine's Day. And I know this might seem a little weird, but I still love Valentine's Day. And then I pulled the big bag out. And I said, so on your way out, I want everybody to grab a Valentine. So this was in divorce care yeah. last night. And you can imagine if there was ever a group of people who may not like Valentine's Day very much, it would be this group. But I still like it. And this is why. I know it's a commercial day. Oh, yeah. I, I know that. I know that it's made up. I know all of those things. Okay. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You can continue to not like it. In the last couple of years, God has taught me that, number one, his love is the love that we are to cling to and celebrate Mm -hmm. more than anybody else's. Number two, Valentine's Day doesn't just have to be about your significant other, your sweetheart, your spouse. It can be about all the people that God has put in your life to love you and then you can love them back. And on Valentine's Day, it's a day that you can just let them know that you love them. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. It doesn't have to. I mean, it could be it could be your friends, it could be your family, it could be your kids. But God put them in your life. God loves you. Period. God yeah. loves you. One of the ways that he shows you that he loves you is by putting people in to your life that will love you for him. Mm. What a better way to celebrate it. 
I was listening to you about Valentine's Day, and I'm divorced myself. I've been divorced for many years. And I thought I would say something unusual to my 18-year-old grandson. And so I called him last night, and I said, uh, I don't have a Valentine. Would you be my Valentine? And I hear this pause, and I'm kind of laughing underneath my breath because I'm thinking, like, what, is she thinking mushy or something? <laughs> you know? And so I told him, I said, well, it's not mushy or anything. I just don't have a Valentine. I want to know if you could be my Valentine. There was this pause again. He said, yeah. And I said, well, I was hoping you'd say yes because I was going to give you some cookies for it. And those are my famous cookies that get devoured in almost hours. Love it. <laughs> oh, then he got real excited. Oh, I'll be your Valentine, Grandma. I'll be your Valentine. Definitely your Valentine. <laughs> it was fun. Fun phone call last night. That's oh, good. I'm so glad. Thank you. He sounds like a great Valentine. And so do you. You've got those three little words. Become very popular this time of year. Yeah. And I used to guard I love you very carefully. Really? I would tell girls when I dated them, I am not going to tell you I love you mm. until I'm ready to marry you. Oh. I actually told Lindsay that when we started dating. Mm-hmm. Um, so this wasn't something that you just throw around. No, it, because I think I still like that I, you know, wanted love to mean something. Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm kind of looking back now and realizing my motivation was less let's make I love you mean something and more if I don't attach that way to somebody, it's going to hurt less if it doesn't work out. Interesting. Huh. And I'm finding that it feels a little better when I'm more free with that I love you, even with someone who I say it to might hurt me. Okay. Like... Who do you say it to now? I've got friends at church mm-hmm. who I've told I love you. Wow. And this is the crazy thing. I was realizing this. My brother and I have started sending back and forth video text messages. And I realized I had never really told my brother I loved him. Oh, but you two know you love oh, we, each other. We knew it. We knew it. But now at the age of 32, I'm finally telling my brother I love him on a regular basis. What does he do? He says, I love you, too. Like, literally every video we send to each other, we close with, I love you. And there's something that happens differently when you vocalize it. Yeah. So maybe there isn't a special someone in your life, or maybe there is, but I guarantee there are some other people in your life who need to hear those three words from you. So she's an actress. She also sells probiotic yogurt on TV. Her name is Jamie Lee Curtis. I saw a picture of her the other day, and I had to kind of do a double take. You know, and I'm like, okay, this isn't just my eyes getting old. That really is what I think it is. What was and I it? I thought to myself, okay, she's definitely doing that wrong. She's definitely, definitely doing that wrong. Re- making a mistake on social media. It was a picture of Jamie Lee Curtis, and she had a kernel of popcorn in her ear, like a popped piece of popcorn in her ear. That's not where popcorn goes. No, it's not, it's not what it's, it's for. It's not advisable. No, but she took a picture of it and she said underneath it, she said, I'm so over this isolation thing. She was listening to music with mm-hmm. her AirPods. Okay? Those little like headphones with no cords. She took it out. She was doing some stuff. She poured herself a bowl of popcorn. She picked up a piece of popcorn, stuck it in her ear oh. and tried to eat her AirPod. <laughs> yeah, that's not what either of those is for. Social media, and I was like, I am so with you. At least she had the good humor to do that. I know it makes the rest of us feel yeah. good because how many of us have done that? Like you're I've about never to put a piece of popcorn in my ear, Jen. <laughs> you're about to do something, and you're like, wait a minute, that's not what it's, it's for. Using the wrong hand. Here. This is not what it's for. That is not what it's for. Have you ever had a situation where 
You used something in a way that it wasn't supposed to be used. Like Jamie Lee Curtis, the actress, put a piece of popcorn in her ear and tried to eat her AirPod. That's not what it's for. Just wondered if you uh, guys ever ate Cheerios with uh, orange juice. Cheerios oh. with orange juice? I'm That's guessing not no, what I, orange juice is for. No, it's not. <laughs> I had the bowl full of Cheerios and the, and the glass up there, and I picked up the orange juice, going to fill up the glass, and poured it on my Cheerios instead. So, okay, Ted, the question is, did you eat it? I can't remember. It's been several years ago. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like maybe you blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Sherry's, well, that's not what it's for moment, gives a whole new meaning to blind trust. My dad ended up with an eye infection and was given the eye ointment. And my mom used to wear the fake eyelashes. Uh-huh. Anyway, he said that it was time for her to put his eye ointment oh, in no. his eye. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And she picked up the wrong tube. Yeah, he and picked up the eyelash glue. Yes, he did. Oh! Did it? What? Did that glue his eyes shut? It did because he said, "Peg, I can't open my eyes." No. (laughs) She said, "She said, what do you mean you can't open your eyes?" He said, "I'm telling you, I can't open my eyes." Oh no! What happened? Well, she had to take warm water (laughs) and pry his eye open, pull the glue off. That. Oh my goodness. Oh my I would be terrified. Oh my goodness. Have you ever heard the phrase necessity is the mother of ingenuity? Yeah. You, know, you come up with things because you need to, even if it maybe is not what it was meant to be. You got something like that, Joanne? My mom had a lot of those. <laughs> um when she got older, she would take a man's belt and loop it through a clothes basket and then tie the other end to her walker so she could pull her laundry basket down to the laundry room. That's brilliant! That's just creative. She was determined not to have anybody help her with anything until they had to, so yeah. oh my it was just goodness. so fun to watch her going down the hall with shooting with the belt. The Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.